Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. I'm so glad to be here tonight. Uh, wow, it's, I just, as, as we were worshiping, I just keep looking around this place and having a deja vu moment, uh, you know, looking back at when Dwayne and I were boys, just young men, 19 years old. We went to Bible school together, and I remember us talking and dreaming. He's probably told you all the bad stories about me. Um, when we were dating our wives, you heard that story about both of us are in love and in the middle of the night I wake up and yeah, you've heard that story. I thought it was my, uh, my, uh, wife lying in the bed next to me in the other bed, you know, and I've caught, you know, I wouldn't want to do anything inappropriate, but you know, wouldn't be wrong to give her a little kiss. So I stood up, walked over and planted one right on Dwayne's lips. And uh, when I hit mustache, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. And uh, he woke up swinging and I was spitting, <laughs> spitting, and we woke up half the dorm. But we had lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of fun times back in, that, in those days. I remember once in chapel, I was speaking in chapel, and I noticed how the students were all listening but Dwayne had a, just a plain look on his face, just a flat-lined, just look like this. And he was just staring. And I thought, what's wrong? He's not receiving anything from me. What did I do? And afterwards, I, I walked up and says, Dwayne, dude, what's wrong, man? You're sitting there with a sour look on your face. He says, you're wearing my socks. I have kind of a loose, open lifestyle, you know, if something's sitting there and it doesn't say keep off, you know, and I was out of socks, and Dwayne seemed to have an abundant supply, so I put on a pair of his socks, and Dwayne, he liked to keep things, track of things, you know, and he says, you go back to the room and you take off my socks right now, and that was the beginning of a very rocky but fun, enjoyable relationship that, uh, but I, I look, just look at this building, I look at all the all the water that's passed under the dam, how uh, a couple of young guys uh, heading off to Bible college. And I look back over the years and I look at what God has done, what he's done here, what he's done in our lives, what he's done in the area, what he's done through the, the Resurrection Life Church Association. I, and, I, and I really want to tell you, just as I, I was sitting there and looking at this giant building that really took a tremendous amount of effort to get here, to the point that it, it literally put a dent in some of you, put a dent in Dwayne. And we go through seasons where we push with everything we have in our beings, and we come to the end of ourselves, and we do it, give it our all, and, and we want God to breathe on it. And uh, I want to tell you this, uh, I'm going to tell you this, church, get ready, because God is going to breathe on this place again, beyond any way that you've ever experienced. There is a fresh wind coming to this association, to this church, to this area that we are going to be in the center of because of God's grace, because of his love. And I'm telling you what, prepare yourselves because God is going to pack this place out. He is going to do it. That's not just a bunch of hype. I'm serious. Get ready. It's going to happen. Tonight, I would like to just share, the next couple weeks when I'm here, I'd like to just share some things to encourage you and challenge you. Um, tonight, I'm going to share a parable, story of a parable. 
and a lesson, and hopefully I can encourage you a little bit. Uh, parables, Jesus spoke in parables, uh, their earthly story with a heavenly kingdom meaning. And he taught in parables to hide the truth from those who were unbelieving and scoffing, but to reveal hidden truth to those who were hungry and seeking. And a parables, all the parables, the theme of the parables was always some aspect of the kingdom of God that we need to understand and embrace if we are going to walk in the mainstream of what God's doing. So it's my hope tonight that as I share this first parable, and I'm going to share another one with you next week, that it will be a blessing to you. I'm going to talk tonight about the widow and the unjust judge. The Bible in Luke 18, verse 1 Jesus spoke a parable to them and said that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God or regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said to himself, though I don't fear God or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is a parable about prayer, persistence in faith, and a provision. We see this this widow lady, she represents someone who's in a tight spot and doesn't have the normal things in place that can bring her security and bring her the help that she needs. she, she, She needs help. And so who does she turn to? She goes to the law. She goes to a, a, a judge who, who, who really isn't even just. He really doesn't care. He has arrogance towards God, arrogance towards people. But he's her best hope. But she's got one thing on her side. She wants to get what she's after, and she's going to get it. The squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. And so she puts it to this judge. And she's there. She's there when he gets up. She's there when he gets in his chamber. She's there when he goes to lunch. She hammers on this judge, and she stays on his case till the point that he goes, I really don't care what's right and wrong. I don't care about God. I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me nuts. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take care of her and get her off my back. God, God has a tremendous lesson here. Jesus says this, if this woman... This needy woman with no one in her corner can get an unjust judge who doesn't care about her, God, or anything else to do what he wants, what she wants him to do out of sheer persistence and dogged determination. What do you think you can get working with the judge of all the earth, the the God of the universe who loves you, who's in your family, who's in your corner, if you have him in your corner, don't you think if this lady could get it, but if you go after God and hang on to him, you won't get it too? The question is, Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? Now this is an amazing, awesome, awesome story. It says in Genesis 18:25, "Shall not the judge of the whole earth do right?" Now, 
There are some things in our lives, in our world, in our situation, we all can identify with that widow. We get in tight spots. We need to get in places where we need God to come through. And, and if he doesn't, we're sunk. Uh, there are some things that can only get unlocked by fervent, persistent prayer and clinging on to God till he comes through. Acts chapter 12 tells a story about Peter. Uh, Herod declares war on the church, decides to kill James, the brother of Jesus, and he has him executed. He has him beheaded. And then he arrests Peter and he locks up Peter with four squads of soldiers. There are soldiers outside the prison. There are soldiers outside Peter's door. Then there are soldiers inside the cell sleeping next to Peter, chained to Peter. He's completely chained. There is no way out. And it says in Acts chapter 12, fervent prayer went up on his behalf by the church day and night. Prayer without ceasing. Well, guess what happened? Fervent prayer unlocked, unlocked a provision for Peter and for the church. And guess what happened? In the middle of the night, Peter thinks he's dreaming. The angels come. They open the prison doors. The guards are out cold like they'd drunk a whole bottle of NyQuil. The whole, their bonds fall off. And the angel leads Peter out into a street. He thinks he's dreaming. He wakes up. He's totally free. He goes and knocks on the door. The, the church can't believe God answered their prayer. They're freaked out and can hardly believe it. But here's the thing. Fervent prayer unlocked and provided a way out of a situation where there was absolutely no way out. And then God finished it off because right after that, Herod got up to make a speech. And it says in verse chapter, in, in chapter uh, Acts 12, 23, that the angel of the Lord struck him because he didn't give glory to God and he was eaten by worms. Um, I'm telling you what, you say, well, pastor, that's, that's a story from the book of Acts, you know, where where God was jump-starting the early church. He did some supernatural things to kick-start things. But today, in our situation, one story that impresses me about per persistent faith, and I'm using a couple examples tonight with healing, and I'm doing it partly because Pastor Bernie just did a series on healing, and I want to tag-team that a little bit, but I will tell you, any area of life, family, work, business, career, challenges, anything that you are facing in your life, persistent prayer and clinging to God and going after him and hanging on to him is the key to getting and staying a hold of God till you get a provision. Uh, you've all heard of John Hagee, but have you heard of his brother, Bill? Bill was a gifted young man. He sang in the church choir. He memorized all his Sunday school uh, uh, lessons and everything else, brilliant mind, until while he was singing with his sister in church at 13 years old, he had a grand mal seizure and collapsed, foaming at the mouth. They brought him in, found out that he had a bad case of epilepsy. There was no diagnosis or ways to control those back in those days earlier. And uh, uh, the whole family got together and they just prayed and they claimed and prayed for him to be healed, but he continued to have grand mal seizures. And then mom decided that I am going to claim his healing and I am not going to eat supper again for the rest of my life. I will fast supper and not eat supper again till you heal my son. Well, she'd put him up on stage to sing and he'd fall 
foam and she'd go get him and wipe his mouth. Uh, she w- they would just care for him, but he didn't get any better. A year went by without supper. They brought him to every healing evangelist they could find. They put him in every prayer line. Every time somebody was praying for the sick, they put Bill there, but nothing happened. Two years went by. Mama hadn't eaten supper for two years, and she continued to pray, and they continued to pray. Three years went by, and they went to every Everywhere they could, anytime they could, they prayed for Bill and nothing happened. Until one night, after three years, they were in a small group, life group meeting, and they decided to pray for one another's needs again. Someone in the prayer group said, Well, come on, let's keep praying for Bill. So they had old Bill stand up, a small little group of people, and they stood up and mom laid hands on him. And this time, it looked like somebody shot him with a 12-grade shotgun. He was knocked out in the spirit. He went flat down on his back, and mama went, that's it! And he was healed, totally. He never had another seizure. He went and joined the military academy, had a brilliant career in the military, and retired with honor, and he never, ever had a seizure again. Sometimes, sometimes the effective, fervent prayer, when we hammer, when we stay connected to God, when we stay after it, it avails much. Now, here's the thing. During these periods of time, we are tempted to think God doesn't care. We are tempted to wonder what is going on. And a question comes in this parable that's very interesting. It says, and shall not God avenge his own elect or meet their need or their provision who cry to him day and night, though he bears long with them? Bears long, men, it means this, though he delays, delays, delays in doing anything. That's what it means. He delays And a question comes to mind. It almost seems like, I always remember reading this as a young man. It almost seems like somebody's, we have to petition God almost to the point of harassment to get anything out of him. Did you ever feel your old nature kind of get irritated with God? You know better than to get irritated with God. But you go after God for stuff and nothing happens. Therefore, why? You're just going, no, I love you, God. But there's another part of you that just goes, when is it going to happen for me? When's he going to come on? God, come on! And you're torn between desperation and a child leaning on a father and anger in your own flesh, in your own thing. And by the way, God wants that. He wants to get at that. He wants that broken. He wants it broken, which is one of the reasons for delay. But here's the thing. It almost seems like God's, like, like it's not, like he's not being nice. Have you ever felt that way? You don't have to answer that. But God, why does he delay? Why does he lay? Why does he make it so that we got to hammer heaven and cling and pound and hold and stay the course almost to the point where you feel that way? Why? There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Let me give you two reasons. Very important Because this is a key to staying in faith and staying on track with God. Many times God delayed in Scripture. Let me give you one brief example. 
John chapter 11, 1. Certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he rushed to Lazarus' side. Oh, that's not what it says. When he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. There's the delay. He goes, he loved them. So what does it do? He didn't go rush over there to meet the need. He stayed two more days. And during those two days, guess what happened? Lazarus died. Jesus says, okay, let's go now. And so when he had come, verse 17, he found that he had already been in the tomb dead for four days. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Martha was shut down. She had a lid on her faith. She believed Jesus was a healer. And if Jesus had been there, Jesus could have done something about it. But now it's too late. And I want to tell you, church, it is never too late. But she didn't know that. There was a lid on her faith. And then he meets the rest of the family. There's a lid on everybody's faith. Get this. The next thing that happens, Jesus, she says, I know he'll rise at the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She didn't even know what she was talking about. She said, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God who's come into the world. She was flat out, lit it out, didn't even know how to answer it, didn't even answer the question. She just said, you're Jesus. Then some other one said, couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? There's the lid. He could have done something about it, but not now. They were shut down. Here's the thing. The big reason for the delay, Jesus wanted to give a fresh revelation of who he was. He wasn't just the Lord over sickness. He was Lord over the grave. He was the author of life, the conqueror of death, and he was about to blow the lid off everybody's faith. And to do that, he had to delay. He delayed his coming. They came to the end of themselves. And when they came to their end of themselves, they got a whole new revelation of who he was. He goes to the tomb. You know the rest of the story. I don't need to spend time on it other than that. They said the grave stinks. He says, open it up. He shouts. Lazarus comes out alive. He says, the classic old Pentecostal, loose him and let him go. And of course, the, 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 the Lazarus is brought back to life. Everybody freaks out. They get a complete new revelation of who Jesus was. When delay comes in our lives... One of the things God wants to do through it all is build our character, build our God reliance, bring brokenness to that nature that wants to get angry at God and make us shove it down further and let our spirit rise more to the top. It builds character in us. It builds perseverance. It builds uh, a God reliance. It teaches us how to work with a divine God who dwells outside of time in our world of time. 
delay and understanding it is very, very important. And as we continually persevere, it brings a God focus. It brings character. It brings brokenness. It brings our, uh, a, a, such a focus on God that something in us changes. Something rebellious in us dies and something beautiful emerges that's fresh and raw and brings new revelation. Um, so, so I want to bring you a second. There's another reason that delay seems to be in there and why God makes us wait, why he makes us go through this thing is there's a huge gap in God's divine timing in the big picture and what's going on in our world. You know, God is weaving millions and millions of lives together to build his kingdom and do his perfect work. And there are so many things attached. Do you ever wonder if God's sitting up on top of the earth trying to orchestrate all this? The farmers down the road are going, God, send rain. And a bunch of people in the church are, God, help us have no rain this week. We're having a huge thing outdoors. God's weaving everybody's prayer request. He's weaving their lives together. And the delay is this. There's a big difference between his divine timing and what's going on in our life. And the gap is you and I need to cling to him and cling to him and cling to him till the tumblers of his divine alignment and his divine timing come into line in sync with what's going on in our lives. And there's almost always a delay. Let me give you an example of that. I, a few years back, I was at a, a huge church um, potluck or whatever they call those now. What do we call those? They don't call them potlucks anymore. Huge church get together. Uh, like we, we used to rent, when I used to go here, we used to rent the whole Ottawa County Fairground. It was fun. So we had a big bash like that and I decided to play ball with a young crowd. And uh, all I had was flip-flops and they got in my way. So for an hour and a half, I played a screaming game of softball in my bare feet. And I'm not gonna tell you my age, but you really shouldn't run pounding for hours on your bare feet around the bases and everything. Next day, it kinda hurt. Well, guess what? I developed plantar fasciitis in my left foot. And it got very painful, it got hard to walk. I had a tennis ball by my desk. I had a golf ball by the couch. I, had, uh, I was doing the stretching exercise, doing everything I could to make that thing go away. But it just got worse and got worse and worse and worse. Then it started to affect my knee. Now, not only my foot, but my knee starts to hurt. And I remember after about, I'm, I'm going, God, I need to be healthy to do what you've called me to do. I receive healing in Jesus' name for my foot. Every time anybody prayed, I was there going, I receive, I receive. When I was praying for the sick myself, I was going, God, I receive whatever I'm imparting, I receive. Nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. A whole year went by. I went on a hunting trip out in the mountains in Wyoming, uh, archery hunting with my sons for mule deer. I was hurting so bad, now it had gone to my hip. Now my hip hurt and my knee and my foot I was popping a leave and pain medications to be able to climb up in the hills after my boys and stay in the game. I thought, God, if you don't do something pretty soon, you're going to have to heal my liver too from popping all these pain meds. And I was getting in a, in a bad way where I was downright nervous. And I just, God, just believe in God every day. God, thank you that I'm healed. Every limping step, thank you that I'm healed. Thank you that I'm healed. And nothing happened. A whole year went by. Nothing happened. Then one day, one Sunday, we had Brother Abraham from India at our church, and I always have Abraham pray for the sick. 
So I had him up at the break. We had a big worship song like the guys did so beautifully tonight and everybody's in the spirit. And then I said, Abraham, pray for the sick. He gets up there. He goes, he prays for the sick and releases God's healing power in the crowd. I'm sitting here right in the front row praying for everybody else. Uh, I actually wasn't thinking about myself at the moment. And all of a sudden, a wind hit me. It hit me. A wind hit me off the stage. Nobody turned the air conditioners on. I turned to my wife. As I did, I saw her hair moving and she looked at me. She's sitting right here. So she, she's, I, I, we looked at each other and went, what was that? It was like spooky Pentecostal flaky chandelier swinging kind of weird stuff going on. I thought, I felt the wind of God coming off the stage into the crowd and I'm going, God, you're here, you're moving. And some people were healed and it was a beautiful moment. And, uh, it, it, and then we went on with the service. I went home that afternoon though and, and, and by my, the, the uh, pain meds usually wear off from preaching uh, around 1.30 or 2. It's around 2 o'clock, I'm getting dressed and all of a sudden I notice, hey, hey, still feels pretty good. Bottom line, I was totally totally miraculously healed. I stomped my foot, something you don't do. I jumped. I've been, that was a couple of years ago, three years ago. Absolute, perfect, total, miraculous healing. And I was instantly healed. So clinging to God and until his divine timing comes into line with our time. And let me tell you the rest of the story. There's always something. When God makes you wait, there's always a reason. If you're believing in your business, in your family, for a crisis, for a loved one, for anything in your life, if there's a delay, there is a divine timing, and you and I need to hold on to God with everything we got and not faint until we see a provision. Here's what was behind. Abraham was moving and expanding things in India, but I had, in charge of our mission budget, I had decided to flatten things out with Abraham. I love Abraham. We're, we're, we get along great, but I had decided we need to expand and start giving to some other ministries as well. I'm, I'm, I wasn't going to give any more there. I was going to just diversify into other ministries and not do that. I had already made that decision. I made that decision. And that morning when I was healed and I was thinking and reflecting on the wind that came off and the healing I had received and Abraham being there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, don't, don't back off on your connection to that man. Don't do it. And I realized that the Holy Spirit was sending me a message to back and not hold back and not do what I was doing with that ministry. And so I changed my mind. And guess what? We took the biggest offering we ever took. Revival broke out in a province in India and our church gave a huge offering for us to help build a huge pavilion for this revival and everything else. And God had something different in mind. And what he did is he used my weakness and his divine timing to bring his direction, his leading in my life and keep me connected to something that God wanted to connect with me. And so something very beautiful happened that may or may not seem too special to you, but I'm going to tell you what, 
when you and I hang in there and when we go, we got two things, God's always going to increase our capacity to receive and increase our faith anytime he delays. And number two, we need to hang on because he, he is doing something beautiful behind the scenes that we may not understand that we got to just hold on and stand there and wait until everything comes into alignment and then you will find yourself refreshed. You will find the provision that God gives you in your life and you will be strengthened. Your capacity to do good will greatly, greatly be increased. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone that asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Did you ever hear a knock like this? That is not how we knock. Knock is like this. Church, just ask, ask, ask. Believe, cling to him. Stay, keep your persistent in your faith. War for the things in your life that need to take place. Cling to God with everything you got. The song says, stand in the gap, coming boldly to his throne of grace. Stand in the gap. He will hear you when you seek his face. Put your weapons to their use. Believe and you'll produce. Stand in the gap till all hell breaks loose. The enemy will have to fold his hand when God's people step up and take command. There's a weapon that hell can't stand. It's the fervent prayer of a righteous man. Church, that is his will and his plan for you. If you're here tonight, every one of us has things, things, challenges, things we want to see, breakthroughs in our lives, breakthroughs in area of ministry, healings, provision, Areas and situations God's put us in. Are you in a spot where there doesn't seem to be any way out? I'm challenging you tonight. Hold on to his grace. I want to literally pray over you and impart a fresh spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus and an increased capacity to go the distance in your ministry, in your life, and attain and rise to, be, to, to become all the man of God, all the woman that you need to be. He's still doing it today, and he's going to keep doing it. Would you please bow your heads? Lord, right now I just pray for all of us. I impart a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, along with a fresh wind of your spirit into each life here today. We impart this to them, Lord. Bring a fresh encouragement of grace, Lord, a fresh uh, zeal and passion to hold on to you, to clean it up, to cling, to, to embrace those situations that each of us are in. Lord, build our character. Build our perseverance and our patience, Lord, that we will be perfect, as you said in your word, and entire, lacking nothing. Teach us how to work with your divine plan in your timing. Lord, and not be weary, not be angry, not be offended, but only God strengthen that divine connection that we ought always to pray, not to faint, because you are the judge of the whole earth and you will do right. One last thing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're here tonight, 
Jesus told another short parable of a lost sheep. He said a shepherd had a hundred sheep and he gathered them all into the foam at night. But one was lost, just one. He went out into the storm. He went out into the night and he looked and he hunted till he found that one lost sheep. And then he carried it in his shoulders back to the sheepfold. And he called all his friends and said, the sheep I lost, I found I found him. Rejoice with me. And the Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice when a soul is saved. If you, are you a lost sheep tonight? Is that you? Are you here not sure of your relationship with God? You've fallen away. You don't know where you stand. Or you've never had a living, working relationship with God. You can get right with him tonight. Right here. You can change your destiny. You say, Pastor, how do I step from the life I'm in into that life, into eternal life? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe and with your mouth you activate it. Just like getting married. When you say, I do, it completes it. Your name goes in the book. Peace will flood your heart. And you will walk out of here with a new life and a new heart. If that's you, for just a moment, we're not going to call you forward. We're all going to pray together in a moment. But if that's you, slip your hand up. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. God bless you. Anyone else, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Get this moment. All right, let's all pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again. I ask you into my heart, forgive my sins and make me your child. I receive your grace. Thank you for saving me. I will follow you. Lord, as peace floods the hearts of those who have committed their lives to you, Lord, we cancel every plan the enemy has for their life in the name of Jesus right here, right now. Open a new and living way before them. And Lord, we claim the verse in your word that says, you who began a good work in them this night, this day, will finish the work you've started. Never leave or forsake them till one day they see you face to face. Lord, let them not fall short of anything you have planned for them. As far as the rest of us, God, Help us to hold on to your amazing grace. Lord, carry us on in the river of your spirit into the fullness of everything you want to do in this house. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.